What up, everybody? Happy fucking Monday. Hope y'all enjoyed your weekend. Ooh, I have no idea if I did or not because, you know, it's, I'm actually recording on Friday. So uh, hopefully it's going to be a good weekend. We're supposed to get some snow, so we'll see what happens. And um, I'm still fucking dying after the Taco Bell incident from yesterday, so that's always great. So in case you were wondering, yeah, I feel like absolute ass today. Do not eat Taco Bell twice in one day. And I don't think I'll ever eat Taco Bell again, and that's sad. That's a sad day for me, and uh, now I'm just going to go cry in the corner. In life and in music, there is always a dark side. Whether the truth is something you don't want to tell or something somebody doesn't want to hear. These are those stories. The Black Rose Media proudly presents the dark side of music. And welcome everybody to the dark side of music. I am the great and powerful king of kings, emperor of all that is awesome, Dirk. How the hell are you doing today on this beautiful January 24th of the year that is 2020 part two? Oh, I feel like shit. I am dying. I have had the absolute fucking worst heartburn all goddamn day. I went to bed last night after um, my episode... Um, with Tattered Sons and, no, I'm sorry, yeah, Tattered Sons, because I recorded that on Thursday, and, uh, oh, I don't know what the hell was wrong with me, I just felt like I was dying, um, and I woke up this morning, just, uh, it was horrible, don't eat Taco Bell, kids, I don't care how high or drunk or, it's never, it's not worth it, it's not anymore, I, I, nope, can't do it anymore, fuck that shit. Uh, but I'm here anyway because music and life and love and everything else in between takes my mind off of the burning sensation that I have in my chest right now. <laughs> and tonight, oh, this is going to be a good one. Tonight I have a band uh, out of Connecticut that is getting ready to have a new album drop on the 28th called Transition Animals. Um, so much good stuff. It's going to be a fucking banger of an album. Definitely check it out. They're also getting ready to hit the road, um, on January 28th, hitting Pompano beach, Orlando, Spartanburg, South Carolina, um, Chesapeake, Baltimore. Ooh, I might have to drive up to that one. Um, Clifton, New Jersey and Hamden, Connecticut. Um, so short little tour with, uh, Lord Bishop. Um, definitely go and check that out if you're in those areas. But, uh, tonight... I have the band on with me by the name of Kings and Liars. And I'm going to go ahead and play their newest single that just dropped yesterday. Um, the 20th called Conquering the Fear. And uh, when we get back, we'll have a nice conversation. So here is Kings and Liars with the song Conquering the Fear.
that was Conquering the Fear by the band Kings and Liars. And let's go ahead and bring on one of the members of Kings and Liars now, Mr. Charlie Belmore. What's up? What's going on, brother? How are you? Eh, I can't complain. It's a uh, uh, cold-ass night in New York, but uh, everything's going good. It's it, I'm I'm in uh, Maryland and it's it's fucking cold, <clears throat> so I, I feel you, man. It is cold. I was in a I was in a try to take my daughter for a walk at like noon or something because she woke up very early and I was like, oh, I could probably get her get a little nap going. I looked at the temperature and it was 15 degrees and I was like, ah, eh, you know what? Nah, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> yeah, I was out driving around doing some errands and uh, it was about 15 degrees here as well, and I stopped to get gas and oh. <laughs> That 10 minutes or whatever it was, I was out there filling that gas tank was the longest fucking time period of my life. It was so cold, so cold, bitter cold. Windy yeah, it's not, it's, it's not, it's no good. I hate it. I love it, but at the same time, when it's windy and bitter, that's when I have the problem. Like, if it could be like right around 20, 25, I'm good, you know, but anything below that, that's when, when it gets down to the teens, that's when I start to have the problem. Yeah, I I normally the only time I really have an issue is if I have to be I have horrible uh I have uh, horrible arthritis from playing guitar for since I was 10. I'm 40 now. And uh so if like if I'm outside too long, like even if I got giant gloves on, my hands just want to like snap off. So that's the only that's the only time where I've just had it. Yeah, I, I have carpal tunnel in both hands that I've never gotten fixed, so that bothers me when I get cold. Oh, I did I did that surgery uh, on my uh, right hand just uh, last year, for, um, and uh, it was uh, it was surprisingly fine. It it took a little <clears throat> it took a little while longer to to fix than I thought would it would take. You know, they were like, "Oh, it'll just take a it'll it'll take a week or whatever," and like three or four weeks later, like it was still like if I like reached to get like a spoon out of a drawer, like all of a sudden out of nowhere there'd be this weird pain, but like. I mean, I know where they cut, but I, you know, I could barely even see it on my hand. Like it's crazy. Um, I'm, I moved to New York uh, with my girl like two or three years ago and I was in Connecticut my whole life. And uh, when I went to a chiropractor, the first time my back was just killing me and I went to a chiropractor and um, I'm like, wow, I can't believe this guy does like, you know, He's like the chiropractor for like the Knicks and the Rangers and the da, 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 and I'm going through all these things. I'm like, what are the odds? And my girl was like, what's it called? And I was like, oh, the, uh, you know, whatever. Like, it's like, you know, the Madison Avenue or Park Avenue chiropractic center. And she just laughed and she's like, yeah, that's why, babe. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. Huh? <laughs> like, cause we, we live on the Upper East Side and it just, there's all that stuff. Um, like uh, when I got my hand surgery, I walked in and there's just Yankee jerseys everywhere. And I was like, Oh, okay. This is, you know, th this is positive. And you know, there's probably if, if, if they're coming here, it's probably pretty good. And then I saw, I don't know how, I don't know if you're very up on baseball or of the past or anything, but uh, the one handed pitcher, Jim Abbott had hand surgery at the place that I went. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to trust these people because <laughs> the guy with one hand that went there. So I'm going to go ahead and, gonna go ahead and trust that they know what they're doing yeah um that would definitely be the place to go if jim abbott went there absolutely yeah uh i'm sorry if i'm a little slow tonight i feel like absolute fucking ass 
Yeah, you had to, you had a bad time with a little bit of uh, old T Bell, huh? Yeah. So yesterday, Thursday, um, I was me, and my daughter, me, and my uh, girlfriend stayed home with her daughter because uh, we had a COVID scare, and uh, I was like, you know what, babe, I want tacos. Let's order some DoorDash. Let's order Taco Bell. And she's like, cool. So we ordered Taco Bell, no problem. And then I had dinner with my daughter last night, so I left about five o'clock to go pick her up, and I get there, and she's like, Dad, I want Taco Bell. And I'm like. Baby, I just had Taco Bell for lunch. I can't do... I'm 40 years old as well. I can't do Taco Bell twice in a day. And she's like, but Dad, I really want Taco Bell. And, <laughs> and I'm like, fine. So we went and got Taco Bell. And let me just tell you what. Oh, heartburn city for the last 24 hours, man. I've, I don't know how many Tums I've eaten. I don't know how many glass, <laughs> glasses of milk I've drank. Um, I just had soup and uh, bread for dinner. I mean... It was, ugh, and it's not, and nothing is working. I'm just like, ugh, this sucks. Yeah, that's the, that's the worst. I had to start, I had to stop, I had to start avoiding all that stuff. Um, I'm, uh, like, I only eat fish now, so I'm, like, almost vegetarian or vegan or whatever at this point. Um, my, my, my hands were really bothering me five or six years ago, and my, my doctor, <laughs> just said, oh, you know, a lot of times people have problems with like meat <clears throat> and chicken and stuff and all the uh, the antibiotics that are in all the all the all the stuff. So maybe just experiment, maybe just go like, you know, go meat free for a month or whatever. And it was like literally like the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. And I said, well, you know what? I don't really I don't really need meat all the time. I'll have Thanksgiving and then I'll just go no meat. And then uh, Christmas Day, like my mom more, normally makes, you know, some, you know, some tenderloin, something or other. So I'll just have that then and we'll see, you know, see if, see how I feel. And I felt, <clears throat> I felt great. And um, I just thought it was a placebo deal. And then I had meat on Christmas and I had a rehearsal with, um, uh, with Josta, which I'm also in the Josta band. And mm -hmm. We had a show in Connecticut like two or th two weeks after Christmas, and we had a, we had a rehearsal on the 26th the next day, and like 25 minutes into practice, like my hand looked like a claw, <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh god no. damn it, no, I can't eat meat. <laughs> so I've, had to just, I've just had to avoid it now. So now if 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 I ever if I ever get to go to a Taco Bell, it's I get like the uh, there's some black bean something or other that I get, and that's it basically. Yeah, it's you really realize how little options you have if you want to eat healthy when you can't eat meat and you want to go to all those places. Cause all of a sudden you're like, well, you know, I'm at whatever I'm at, uh, I'm at Sonic. I can only get a grilled cheese right now. Like I can get grilled cheese or mozzarella sticks. Like I can't get anything, you know? Yeah. And it's like, uh, it's, it's a pain in the ass sometimes, but you just slowly start to try to figure it out. So you play in two bands, you play guitar in both bands and you've got, you know, severe arthritis and hit your hands. How do you, yeah. man I mean, other than the, you know, the going pescatarian pretty much, how else are you managing? I mean, what are you doing, you know, for all the other guitarists out there listening right now that are going to be like, oh, you know what, what is that going to be me at 40? You know, what are you doing right now to maintain at least some of the, the dexterity that you have? Um, I, I tend to a lot of times kind of fight through it. Um, and then uh, let's see, what are the, I have a couple, 
I got a personal trainer a couple of years ago that was a friend of mine and he like trains bodybuilders and stuff. And he's just like a, he's just a genius as far as with supplements and everything go. So I, uh, <clears throat> I used to do, uh, what's it? Oh, Christ. Folic acid, vitamin D3, uh, turmeric, and like one other, I can't remember the other one off the top of my head. I had to, I had to stop them all in like, June, I think I was, I was just, we had a, we had our first show with uh, the D Snyder band um, back, like uh, to support the record, leave a scar. And I was the week before I was uh, going, I told my doctor, I just said, Hey, I've got a lot of pain. And he said, Oh, you know, what kind of pain is it still the, the surgery spot? And I'm like, no, it's weird. Like every muscle in my body feels like, even if I didn't work out, it feels like I've been working out for like six hours. Like it just burns like that burning feeling you get after a workout. Like it feels like that all the time. And, um, <clears throat> and he goes, Oh, okay, let's, I'm just going to, I just want to check some stuff out. So he just had me come in, he drew blood. And then the next day I'm at band practice with D and uh, he calls me and he says, Hey, can you, uh, you know, are you okay? And the doctor, and I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm just as okay as I was yesterday when I saw you. And he goes, well, you're, what the fuck was it? Creatine kinase levels or something are like insanely high. Like, and that's like the, like, it's like this really bad thing in your whole body. But you just kind of like feel like you're dying basically. And I was like, well, what is that from? And he goes, I have no idea, <clears throat> but we're going to have to investigate this. If you go off <clears throat> all of your supplements completely you know, because something in one of these supplements might be triggering it, this and that and this. And I, you know, I'm on like a, you know, I, I don't really take that many medications. It's like two things. And he's just like, we're going to change this one medication. And, uh, you know, hopefully you don't have to do anything very physical this week. And I was like, well, in two days, I have to play a show with D Snyder that's going to be filmed and recorded for a live, like, it'll be like a live broadcast in like a month. And he was like, Oh, geez, I hope you're going to be okay. And um, nobody knew that I felt pain that day because I just, I know how to put on a, you know, I know how to put on a professional face. And, uh, but then like literally I got off stage after like a 95 minute set and just like, we just went in the back and just like laid on the ground for <laughs> like an hour. <clears throat> but the, the trick, if I really feel it is I'll get, um, my hands are bothering me for multiple days. I go to a, uh, whatchamacallit now, uh, Epsom salt. Uh, and I put some Epsom salt in a sink and I just let my hands soak for like 20 minutes. And normally that does it. And if it doesn't, I'll get a uh, powder. You know, it's like, it's aspirin, but it's a powder. Okay. It's like aspirin caffeine powder. And uh, that'll hit you really fast. So you could take that like a half hour before a show and it'll get into you a lot quicker than, you know, taking to a leave or something would because it's a powder, you know? Yeah. I can just, uh, and I might be completely wrong here, but I can just picture Jamie sitting there going, if I can manage my voice for these, for, for two bands, you can manage your hands for two bands. Come on. Suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, the worst that, ever was was uh we were recording the first time i ever even really noticed that i had a bad hand thing was when we were tracking the first d snyder record the uh for the love of metal 
And there were just times that I would be recording and my picking hand all of a sudden would just start to get numb. And I would just have to like shake it. And I'd be like, oh, what the hell is this all about? And it was, it was just a random thing. And then we, the, uh, the D live album uh, for the love of metal live. Um, we played at bloodstock <clears throat> and we, uh, I remember I ran out to this, t- to the, like this big giant ramp and I ran out onto the ramp with the other guitar player and we were doing, uh, we wrote this like extended piece for a uh, burn in hell, like an instrumental kind of thing after the song. And it's this big solo section with a harmony thing and all this. And so we go out there and we're doing it and <clears throat> my hands are hurting so much. They're like numb. And for some reason, the way I was looking at the guitar and I'm trying to pay attention and it was almost like I was getting like, not seasick, but I was getting dizzy because I was looking at my hands and I was playing the notes that I wanted to play, but I couldn't feel my hands because they were both just totally numb. And I, I was literally able to, I was just started to feel dizzy out of nowhere just because of staring at my hands and I was having like this weird like a weird freak out that I couldn't feel my hands. And I was in front of like 40,000 people. And, um, <clears throat> and all of a sudden I started to realize that I was a little dizzy and I was right on the edge of a stage and it was probably like a 15 foot drop into the audience. And I was like, all right, I'm going to take a step back and just, uh, and just, and just wait for the, my next little solo section because I don't know what's happening right now. And then I got home from that and my baby was due uh, like two or three months later. And I started just planning, when am I going to get this surgery? And uh, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was April, April. Christ. I don't even know now. April 20. Yeah. April, 2021. So it was, it wasn't too bad, but it was, it was better in like four weeks. It was, it's uh, shockingly easy. Well, that's good. Um, and, and you definitely didn't want to pull a fucking Axl Rose and fall off the stage. So I can definitely understand that. <clears throat> yeah, I was the um, every member of the uh, of the D Snyder band besides D uh, since we joined the band has all fallen. I was the first. Um, our bass player, Russ, fell at a show on a concrete stage. So that was a uh, that was a rough day for him. And then in the live video uh, for the for for the love metal live, I think it remember what song it is it might actually be burning hell it was no it's either burning hell or we're not going to take it we got on camera the other guitar player falling and i think it's in the it's in the home video (laughs) (laughs) the the only one that wasn't actually on camera was me um and uh i'm the only one that kept playing like i i fell flat on my back and didn't miss a note and just kept going and even d was like i don't understand how you didn't mess up and i was like i'm a professional <laughs> I mean, hell, that's one way to fucking do it. Um, but damn, I mean, that's just got to be a struggle, man. I mean, fighting through it. I mean, you know, I I have a hip and knee issues, and I've also broken my neck, so I get neck issues as well. But you know, I, you know, I, when I'm you know having those issues, I can just sit at home, and luckily, I just get to sit behind a computer and a desk, and you know, talk to people all day long, and you know, it's it's you know, pops might be here and I'm good to go. I can't imagine the type of struggles and pain that is going up on stage and having to deal with that dude. You are uh, definitely somebody that is, you know, a badass when it comes to that kind of stuff. Cause that's, that's a lot of pain to put your body through for the love of the, your craft. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just became a, uh, it's, 
it's not all the time, but you just um, like my both of my parents are very much just like um, like kind of it doesn't matter what's happening. Just get the job done kind of stuff. And so um, my all my doctors now have said that I am uh, what's the word stoic. So um, like when I told my doctor, when my doctor called me to say, you know, you have a show and, you know, you have all this problem with this creatine kinase stuff. And he said, you know, are you able to move around? And I was like, well, I mean, I have to play the guitar. So yeah, I'm practicing every day. I'm doing like four hour, five hour practices with D right now. And he goes, because most people like with this much creatine kinase in their system would just want to like lay in bed and moan. And I was like, and he was like, I don't even know how you're walking around. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't know. I have a job to do. Like when I get home, I'll lay around, but I have, I just, you just have to, it just, let's get this job done. And um, my brain just always been like that. I'm always just like, let's just address, let me just do the job now and then I'll figure out the problem later. Yeah. Does um, the, the typical man, you know, gets a, <clears throat> a mild cold and acts like he's dying, you know, or, yeah. you know, stubs his toe and feels like he needs to go to the hospital to go get a cast on it. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's just how men are designed for some reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, I can definitely understand that feeling of, you know, having to get up and get going and just, you know, instead of just wallowing in your own self-pity and your own self-pain, you know, trying to do everything you can to overcome it. And music is that thing for you. Cause I mean, it's not, it's not just your job, it's your craft, it's your passion, it's your love, it's your life, you know? So, yeah. you know, and overcoming things is what music is great about, whether it's pain and, or this or mental health, you know, it's music helps people every day overcome their issues, regardless of what that is. And to know that, you know, you're dealing with something that is, could be potentially debilitating to some people, and you're up yeah. there busting your ass to, you know, for your craft and for the people, for your fans, um, and obviously to support your family, you know, it, it's very, very admirable, man. And I, I, my hat's off to you. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> I was, I've been teaching guitar. I don't have a lot of students right now because of the pandemic, like two or something, but um, over the years I've had, you know, either you know somewhere between like 10 and 20 students a month for years and years and uh since i was about 20 and uh i always tell students like listen you know um like whatever i'm i at the time i was in like whatever i was playing in a band in connecticut <clears throat> and we would get to go on tour and we you know we weren't popular or anything but we were booking our own tours on myspace and all that kind of stuff you know so when you're like 23 and a 14 year old kids come to you to learn lessons you know you're like a, a rock star basically and i would always just say music has nothing to do with any of that like if you just when i have a terrible day like i went to college and i just wanted to learn music uh they're like oh you want to be a teacher i was like no no, no i just want to learn about music because i just wanted to learn more and more and more about it and I mean, to this day, if I have a shitty, shitty day, um, just playing music makes me feel better. And I'll just sit there and play the guitar or if I'm driving somewhere and I had a bad day and, you know, singing along to the goddamn radio or whatever it is. Um, I used to always just tell my students it has nothing to do 
<laughs> with like making it <laughs> or whatever. Um, you know, there's to me, there's no difference to like, um, like you can be perfect at playing these seven or eight songs that you always loved when you were a little kid and you learned them perfectly and you can play them along to the, you know, to the album right now. And it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's like, you know, everybody has the grandma that has that one special meal they make. That's just absolutely incredible. And you would hold up grandma's meal next to like, you know, like the best chef in the world. And you're like, listen, his food's pretty good, but I don't know about grandma so-and-so's. And it's the same thing with music. Just because, just because whatever, you know, James Hetfield or Jerry Cantrell or whoever it is, is out there writing an amazing song. You could have a song that like, that everybody loved in your neighborhood that you wrote, you know, back in high school or whatever. And it's still a goddamn amazing song. And it's just how it works. And music fixes people and makes people happy on every level. And it's, uh, it's important that people understand that because everybody assumes that it has something to do with like making it, you know, but it's, it's more just about being happy, you know? Dude, I a hundred percent agree with you on that. Um, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, damn. But <clears throat> on that note, we're gonna go ahead and play one more song and we're gonna come back and I'm gonna, we're gonna elaborate more on that. Cause I got someone else I do want to say with, in, in regards to that. So, um, we're going to go ahead and play another song from Kings and Liars, the song We Are Alive, and uh, we will be right back. So here is We Are Alive by the band Kings and Liars. Time is wasting and the world is running wild. Now
And that was We Are Alive by the band Kings and Liars. And let's go ahead and bring on Charlie back. Hey. Hey. <clears throat> God damn, I still love that song. I wrote that song like three years ago, and it's still great. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great fucking song. Um, oh, thanks, man. Dude, it's a great fucking song. Um, I knew I wrote that riff. I was just walking around my house playing that riff on like 10 different guitars, and I would just... Da, 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 and I'm like, God damn, there's something to this song. There's something to this. And then, um, like, uh, I was over, <laughs> I moved in with my chick and I'm sitting there, you know, writing this song, trying to work on it. And her was probably, she was probably seven at the time. Cause she's nine now. And later on at dinner, after I was working on the song, the, you know, seven-year-olds humming, bang, bang, bang. all right so i like it and a seven-year-old girl likes it so i think we're in a good spot here (laughs) yeah that riff is um it is really really nice it's a great yeah it 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 flows very very nicely throughout that entire fucking song i'll yeah um it's already on my playlist but it's gonna stay there for a while (laughs) rad man awesome um but back to what we were saying before you know um you are right. You know, getting into music nowadays, hell, within the last 15 years or so, getting into music to start a band, to make money and to make it is realistically a pipe dream at this point. Um, you've got to be in the right place at the right time, know the right people. And, and they're like all the stars the moons, the suns, and the planets, everything needs to come into alignment at this one specific place in time in order to happen. You know, and that's not taking away anything from all the indies and, you know, local bands out there. Y'all are fucking phenomenal. I base my whole show around you guys. You know what I'm saying? I, my, of the 300 some odd shows on this episode, on the show, 250 are indie bands and it, it will always be that way. Um, so there's nothing wrong with staying that way for a long ass time. Um, but making it is, is, you know, something that you've got to get out of the back of your mind. You've got to go into that studio or on that stage or into that green room or into that practice space with your brothers or sisters and form a bond and write music that makes you happy. Yes. You've got to think about your fans. Absolutely. But if you're constantly just worrying about what everybody else is thinking or what everybody else wants, it's never going to make you truly happy. You've got to go into this whole process about a little bit selfish and make it, you know, make it about what makes you happy. You know, I've said this before and I'll say it again a thousand times. Back a couple months ago when uh, In the Court of the Dragon came out by Trivium, I was listening to an interview with Matt Heafy. And he was saying, you know, we haven't, you know, written a song for our fans in a long time. I go into the into the studio and I write a song that I want to listen to. I write a song that I want to hear. That's something that makes me happy. Something that it, it makes me. And if it, my fans love it, great. If not, at least I wrote a song for me. And that's the type of mentality you have to have in order to make truly make it. Because if you can truly make it by just making your fans happy because of stuff that makes you happy. That's when you truly make it, you know? Yeah, that's big. That's very much true. Um, The only time I've ever had fun writing is when I just 
write for me. Like even even when I write riffs for you know for Josta or for you know for now for Corpse Grinder with this new record I just did with him or with the D Snyder stuff. Every time if if I write something for somebody else, if when I learned that like the first song I really got together for the uh, the D Snyder record um, <laughs> for the most recent D Snyder record was the, the first song that's on the record. Uh, I got a rock again, and I had all the music for that. And my my brain is always just listening to that one song. I want to start a band just because of this song. That's how much I love this song. And I, I go into every single project and like, if I wouldn't, if somebody didn't like that song, I would say, well, I don't fucking care. I'm going to go start my own band and this is going to be the best song that I ever wrote. And I always go into every project with that kind of mindset of just like, you have to, you have to love a song so much that you're, <clears throat> you know, willing to kind of fight for it. And um, that's, that's just always how I've been. And sometimes people love the songs and sometimes people don't and that's fine because i'm if if you're happy then you could like leave you could leave whatever you're doing you know if i <clears throat> if i just decided i didn't want to work with josta anymore i didn't want to work with d anymore i know that everything i wrote with them is actually good because i'm happy with it yeah. and when you're like a lot of times when you're a hired <laughs> a hired gun a lot of I've talked to hired guns, you know, which will, you know, remain nameless. Where they just hate like half of the shit they did because they're just like, eh, you know, I got paid so much money for it, you know, but it's just fucking trash and blah, 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 blah. blah. And you're like, all right, well, so then, you know, is it, is it better to have all that extra money or is it better to be proud of your career? You know? Yeah. hundred percent. Um, with all that being said, you know, uh, you know, you just mentioned that you uh, did a lot of stuff with D. You've done a lot of stuff with Jamie. Um, you know, you've done stuff obviously with Kings and Liars. You know, you did stuff with Corpse Grinder. You know, you you're spreading yourself a little, you know, a little thin out there. Um, you know, and you know, putting your talent out there everywhere you possibly can. Yeah. Um, and a lot of uh, local and indie bands do that as well. Um. <clears throat> for the sheer fact of trying to, again, do the exact same thing. And sometimes that wears on a band. Um, sometimes it wears on your main band. Sometimes it wears on the, your side project, whatever the case might be. Um, for everyone out there that's listening right now that's in similar positions that you are in, what kind of mindset do you have to have in order to make sure that you maintain the relationships and the integrity of every single band that you're a part of and not allowing one to interfere with the other. Um, <clears throat> gee, uh, as far as, as far as writing goes, I really make like no rules. Um, you know, I didn't write like, for example, I didn't write a ton for corpse grinder. I wrote a ton for some of the Josta albums. I wrote most of the last D record, but when I'm writing a project, <clears throat> I just put my entire heart and soul into that one moment. So there's nothing that will like, well, this is really good. So I'll probably save this for 
you know, I'll save this for Josta or I'll save this for Kings and Liars or, you know, this is a Kings and Liars song, but D could make this a hit or whatever. Like I never do that. I just, if, if I'm part of the project and I'm trying to create art, that means that the music that I mean, I'm being inspired by right now <clears throat> is for that person. So when I finished the D album, we recorded it like, we recorded it like January, uh, 2021. And, um, when I was recording it, there was nothing else in the tank. Um, I just, you know, I, I write, sometimes I'll just write songs. I mean, I wrote in 2020, when I sat home, I wrote like 70 songs and some of them didn't have a home, you know, they were just being written. And I probably wrote about 20 for the D record. <clears throat> and then once we really started, you know, chopping them up and figuring them out, you know, I had about 10 or 11 left and, um, with a bonus track, there's like 13 songs. So I wrote like 10 of the D so I wrote like, yeah, like 10 of the D songs and Josta wrote two of them. And, um, and then D wrote all the lyrics, but there's sometimes there's little inklings. Like I'll go back and say, Oh, I really like that riff on this, you know, idea, but nobody ever used it. But a lot of times I just say, well, there's a reason that day old bread is half off, you know? So if I didn't, if it didn't make it, maybe that just means it's not good enough. And so I, sometimes I'll just kind of like lay it to rest or I'll just put it in a file in two or three years. I'll just go back and listen and be like, is this good? Or like, is there something here? And a lot of times I don't think there's stuff there. I think you're, you have to just kind of isolate it, go for exactly what the project is and not, you can't serve two different masters at the same time. So whatever you're doing right then you must do. And that's it. See, I find that actually interesting. Um, especially since you know the bands that you're in are pretty stylistically different um so you know if you're sitting at home one day just chilling with your kids and you get a a riff idea in your head you know it's it me personally would be like oh you know this is definitely a josta riff or this is definitely a kings and liars riff or you know this this has that hair metal 80s quality to it this is definitely a d fucking riff so yeah. you know, that's how I would think. Obviously, you're a much different person. Everyone's different, you know. Mm-hmm. So you know, I just I just find that interesting because like I've also heard stories of like Corey Taylor, you know, who is constantly just a fucking machine in his head, and he'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like start writing shit down. And be like, okay, this is definitely a Slipknot. This is definitely a Stone Sour. Or no, you know what? This is fits nothing. So I'm gonna make this a you know a solo you know part of my solo project. So it's like, yeah. you know, so everyone's different, but I always like to hear, you know, when I get an opportunity to talk to somebody who's in multiple different bands, you know, the opportunity to, you know, kind of get it out there. Cause it's, it's, it's interesting that whole mindset that you have. Yeah. I mean, um, like there's a, so- there's a song that we just put out, I think, uh, yesterday, maybe, um, for the, uh, <clears throat> for the corpse grinder record, uh, on wings of carnage. And like <clears throat> when, when Jossa was like, Hey, you know, Corpse Grinder, you know, we want to do a record, you know, Corpse Grinder wants me to produce a record, you know, so we want you guys to write. And, and that was like one of the songs I wrote and it was just, I heard Corpse Grinder. I thought this, and then I wrote that song. And um, if I was going to bring it to like Kings and Liars or something, like the morbid angel style kind of drums that are in that song wouldn't be happening. But if you, if you kind of pull it back, 
you know, there's, there's probably a way that I could have written that as a Kings and Liars song if I really wanted to. Um, <clears throat> my, my writing is always very, uh, it depends on the project. Um, I love thrash metal and eighties metal all that kind of stuff. So if I'm writing for D and I'm, in, and I'm inspired for that, it's going to be a little bit towards that, you know, but when, um, when we did the first Josta record, uh, which is just self-titled Josta. And then like when the D record came out, like I would have friends from, you know, high school that I hadn't talked to in years. And they were just like, well, uh, you know, cause my brother is the drummer for, for the D band and most of my bands. And, um, <clears throat> and he was like, and my friends would just be like, yeah, so sounds like the Belmore Brothers, you know, sounds like Jasta singing over the Belmore Brothers. It sounds like, you know, D. Snyder singing over the Belmore Brothers. And it's, even though we're playing a slightly different music, all of my friends that knew us are just like, I 110% know the parts that you guys wrote because it's very much you. And that's cool to be able to know, you know, again, being that it's a, you hit the a wide, you hit the gambit as far as different stylistics of of music between Corp Grinder, John, you know, Josta, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, and for people to still know, Hey, that's, you know, that's him. That's, that's pretty fucking awesome. Um, I, that is, a is a feat that is rarely accomplished in music these days to yeah. where, you know, you can turn on a song and be like, Oh shit, I know who that is, you know? <laughs> and it's, it's rare. Um, you know, outside of like, you know, Sinister Gates and Slash and a few others, there's very, very few out there that I can be like, oh, I know exactly who that is. And, yeah. uh, um, you know, it, it's so to hear that is, is has got to be a, uh, a huge, you know, trophy in your mantle for yourself to hear. Yeah, I <laughs> I love that. And I love that. It's also, you know, I mean. Like you said before, you know, I don't think a song like, you know, D Snyder's Tomorrow's No Concern could ne necessarily be a Kings and Liars song. But I mean, I wrote both of the songs, you know, it's just a different vibe. But I still feel there's elements that I feel are pretty close. So it's. Uh, it's just, you know, you're just pick you're just picking the guitar a different way. You're going a little bit faster, you're going a little bit slower. Um if I was to say what I normally sound like, if I write, it's normally like it's it's closer to uh, to Kings and Liars, which is I've had this project for years. It was just like a fun side project. Um, Jamie and uh, myself had, were trying to write songs for Sebastian Bach um, and like, God, uh, 2009 or something, 2008. <coughs> and um <clears throat> we started doing that and it just didn't work but we always just had these ideas that would just kind of be floating around and when the Sebastian box of just didn't work I just said you know I I haven't had like my own little project and there was a riff or two that I really liked that I had written for that and I just kind of you know wrote a song and I I like the song so much I want to start a band so I just <clears throat> you know I called it Kings and Liars and I would just have some friends get up and play with me and we would we would play four or five shows and then whatever I would have a um, I'd have to go on tour with kingdom of sorrow, or I would have to do this or have to do that. Um, and 
so I couldn't just be like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to do this band for real, you know, because there'd be stuff going on. And then I joined, I joined uh, the thrash metal band Toxic Holocaust in 2015 because my brother was already the drummer for Toxic Holocaust. And I played in Toxic Holocaust for until 2018. <clears throat> and, you know, we toured a bunch, but you're just touring around and you're like, well, when I get home, I'll write some more, you know, I'll write some more Kings and Liar songs. And, you know, it's just a, uh, it's the the pandemic <clears throat> it was kind of a combo um when the pandemic hit we had had we uh, kings and liars is a four piece and three or four months before the pandemic hit the uh the singer just kind of called and said hey guys i just can't do this anymore and we had kind of both been fed up and we said hey you know we got offered this like uh the 80s band rat was playing <clears throat> in new haven and they just the promoters asked us to play they said hey you're a different style but you know you guys always bring people you know can you you know can you play and i was like okay and it was uh, two months before the show and then the singer just said i can't do it anymore so we just me and the other then the bass player just decided to sing and um because we were both lead singers in bands before <laughs> and everybody just we played the show and everybody's like why don't you guys just do it like this i mean you guys both know how to sing you guys both know how to sing harmonies and all that kind of stuff so we had we had all these songs written with the old singer some of them with you know some basic outlines of lyrics and some with nothing and then the pandemic hit and then i just kind of said all right we played two shows as a three-piece let's fucking do this and you know, obviously we thought that the pandemic would last about three months or whatever. We didn't know that we'd be entering what in a month we're going into like year three, (laughs) but, um, so we just, we played a bunch of shows. We played a bunch of shows last year and, uh, salt of the earth records kind of hit me up and they knew us for years. They wanted to put out a record that we'd done prior called, uh, it's your fault. And, um, (laughs) it was like, we were just about to release it's your fault when they wanted to work with us. And we were like, well, we already, we already made the CDs. They're about to, you know, we got a show in three weeks, you know, the CDs are already at our house, you know, so I don't know if this is going to work out. And then we, I think we put out a little, we put out a lyric video for uh, the song you just played. uh, We are alive. And he wrote me just saying, how many more songs do you have that sound like this? And I was like, I got seven more. I got eight songs. Yeah. I got an eight song CD. And he was like, let's put this goddamn thing out (laughs) so um good things come to those who wait and um you know i don't know what the future holds with with d and with josta and corpse grinder they all have um you know d's d's older he doesn't want to go you know road dog crazy um you know josta and corpse grinder both have big bands that they're in that haven't been able to tour for two and a half fucking years yeah so who knows what everybody will be doing, but I know that I'll be, I'll probably be playing a lot of America with Kings and Liars in the next two years. Well, that's awesome to hear. And, you know, with the new album getting ready to drop here in a uh, few days, you know, it's, uh, you got, you know, lots of good stuff going on and uh, um, it's going to be, it's going to be a good uh, year for music, I think. Um Lots of good tours are being announced. Uh, lots of good uh, festivals are already being announced. You know, so I mean, I, I think, I think it's gonna come back, and it's gonna come back bigger than it ever has. Um, I saw a, a lot of uh, sprinkles of that last year, toward the end of the year, but 
but I think this year is really going to send it over the top. I mean, it's people are craving it. I mean, shows are selling out faster than I've ever seen shows sell out. And it's just like, wow, this is amazing. You know, welcome to Rockville is already sold out and it's five. It's still four and a half months out. Um, you know, it's awesome. I mean, and DWP hasn't even announced the rest of their stuff yet, but who knows? But I mean, it, it's, you know, there's so much good stuff going on. And um, I, I just got to say, man, you, you are definitely going to have a breakthrough, I think, with this new album. And uh, I, I can't wish you guys the best uh, for anything else. And uh, I just hope that everything works out for you guys. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, we're we're going to be going freaking crazy. So <clears throat> if uh, we're looking, you know, we're already talking to people about support gigs and support tours and all that kind of stuff. So there's we're going to be busy and there'll probably be whatever random festival announcements for for D, you know, because we just had that record out. We can do something really cool with D. It's uh, well, you're 40, so you'll be able to appreciate this <laughs> yep. as much as I will. Um, so, um, as you may or may not know, you know, D Snyder has a record that came out 40, almost 40 years ago called stay hungry. And he wrote it being inspired by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Cause he was in, he was in some movie called stay hungry and had a bunch of speeches about staying hungry. And it's all about your, and it's about a book called stay hungry and blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> but so when he wrote the album, stay hungry, he was inspired by all that stuff. And we wrote a song on the last D record called Stand. And it's about standing up for what you believe in. And um, uh, uh, his the line at the end of the chorus is, uh, uh, you know, stand for something, show who you are, stand up, don't leave a mark, leave a scar. And that's where the title of the record came. And just he had he'd originally he originally wrote it about you know, he saw all the crazy politics, you know, we, we were in the studio the day that like on the, on January 6th and all of a sudden people were like, you know, going ham at the Capitol and stuff. And we were like writing these songs. We're like, this is like the weirdest time to be writing music. But, you know, so he had, he got all these lyrical ideas for that. And then as it went and as it went, he started to get more ideas that weren't so politically motivated. And it was just, you know, just kind of standing up for what you believe in. And I guess Arnold Schwarzenegger heard that song, really liked it, saw some of the politics that he was talking about online, about mask, health, and all that kind of stuff, because D was very, D got COVID a couple times, um, <clears throat> so he was yeah. very upset about that. And Arnold said, hey, I just heard, he wrote, he, he wrote the D camp, and he said, hey, you know, we just heard that, uh, we heard that great song, Stan, that you just did, They somebody sent it to me, and I love everything you're doing. And um, I never knew that stay hungry, you know, was like inspired by me and all that kind of stuff. And every year in Columbus, uh, Ohio, they do this thing, the Arnold Invitational, the bodybuilding competition. Correct. Yeah. And I've been a, a fan of bodybuilding and I train and stuff. I've been training for years and years. And, um, <laughs> you know, I don't like Arnold, but um, I work out and I just love it. And he invited us to come and play like a little set. Like it's like a private show kind of set, like whatever, five or six songs, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And so we're just going to the Arnold Invitational, which is something I've always wanted to do anyway. And, um, and it's like, Oh yeah. So you're probably going to get to meet 
you know, I guess Arnold is very, he totally understands that you want to meet him. So if you're there, he like makes time, but you know, he's like a president, you know, like he has a little time figured out. Like, yeah, so it looks like Arnold and Stallone and Dolph Lundgren, they're all going to be there. So you'll get to like perform for them. And I was just like, what? Wait, what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to play for the Terminator and Cobra. Like, you know, like this is kind of fucking weird, you know? And, but it's, it's the weirdest thing because we we haven't been able to play a show for like two years. And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, so we can barely play any shows, but the show that we do get to play is going to be a small show, but it'll be for like, basically, you know, the reason I exist like in the eighties, you know, like that's awesome. I, for like, maybe for like 25 sleepovers, you know, for a year and a half, every birthday party I went to, we watched fucking Rambo three, you know what I mean? Like it was a, so it's, it's kind of weird that he's going to be sitting there you know, watching that's, us play. That's fucking awesome, man. <laughs> I can't even fathom that. Oh, that's going to be badass. And, oh. um, I, I, so apparently I, I just saw this thing recently that like, Arnold loves to quote all of his movies. Like he quotes them to his kids. Like, you know, tells his kids to get to the chopper and all that kind of stuff. And it's not a tumor and all that shit. And part of me desperately wants to just, if I meet him, just be like, and just use and do the line from predator and just be like, Arnold, you son of a bitch. And just try to do the giant handshake that he and Carl Weathers does. And I like, I keep joking that I'm going to do it. And my brother is like, Dude, he's gonna think you're weird. And I was like, I don't know. I think he'll get it. I think you'll get it, man. I, th- I think I'm gonna do it. <laughs> See, I, I would walk up to him and be like, "Boys have penises. Girls have vaginas." <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my girl's nine year old. Um, uh, she, she, she had a nine year old from her previous marriage, and then we have a now two year old. But for the last three years, she's watched Jingle All the Way with me. Uh, every like Christmas season and she was like who is this guy like the first she didn't she didn't even know who Arnold was the first time we saw it and I was like oh yeah you wouldn't you know you're seven you wouldn't know any of his movies but she only knows him now from Jingle All the Way Twins and Kindergarten Cop and I'm like wow this is a completely different man that you know than I know (laughs) but she like she thinks he's like great and you know and she she laughs, you know, because I mean, Jingle All the Way, it's an insane movie. It's funny, and you know, <laughs> and you know, just like his weird accents, you know, and like he's just like he's the only he's the only Austrian person in town. But when like when he yells his name to like when he yells his son's name, the kid's like, he knows my name, and you're like, yeah, he because he Jamie. like who else sounds like that? Like nobody on earth sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like no. especially in Minnesota, you know, like who the hell, like that's where the movie is. It happens in Minnesota. And yeah. he's like, little kid's like, he knows my name. But like now my uh, chick's nine-year-old is like, he's so funny. And she says like, you know, what is it? Uh, you know, put that cookie down, you know, does all that stuff. And I'm like, shit, like, I wish, I wish I had like 10 minutes with him. So I could just be like, can you just, can I film you telling my my chick's nine year old to put the cookie down? But like, I'm not gonna force him to be like a fucking dancing monkey, you know. But like, that would be the if I just sent her a message and he was like, put that cookie down, she would probably pass out. Like, that's, like, oh my god, that guy. Awful. Like, wait, that guy's real. <laughs> 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 Carly's with him. 
That's fucking great. I love it. You know, when you're a kid, you don't realize those people are real. You're just like, oh, those are those are the guys on TV. You know, like my parents said when I was a little kid, I knew Ronald Reagan, the president. I would call him not this guy again because he was always he was always on. You know, he would do those presidential announcements and stuff. And it was whatever, like on Tuesday at night or something, eight o'clock. And I'm like. I can't watch to watch. I can't wait to watch fucking Perfect Strangers or some shit and watch what Balky's getting into today. And you're like, it's not happening tonight, kid. You know, this old man's gonna talk to you. And I'd be like, not this guy. <laughs> and you don't know they're real people. You know, you don't understand when you're like nine. Uh, I miss Perfect Strangers. Yeah, I I, I saw it. Um, I I watched some eighty show on uh, Hulu, and then they all popped up for like three or four weeks, and like. There was a minute where I was like, should I just watch Perfect Strangers for like a month? And I'm like, nah, I can't do it. <laughs> I, think I, I, I did for a while, like two years ago. I think I got like four or five episodes in. And I was like, uh, it's not as great as I remember. I think I'm just going to leave it in, in, in nostalgia memories. I, um, I do a podcast with Jamie Josta and Howard Jones from Kill, uh, formerly a Kill Switch where we watch movies. And they always pick all these movies that you would love as kids. You know, for the longest time, we were just watching goddamn Van Damme movies. Like it was just, oh, we'll watch Time Cop. We'll watch uh, Universal Soldier. We'll watch all those movies that he did. And um, <laughs> and he and people on the chat room would say like, oh, you guys should do uh, you guys should do the original Ninja Turtles movie or you should do the uh, what's it? Master of the Universe. Oh, and I'm like, no, because all of these movies in my mind, like in my mind that whatever, you know, the running man, like when I watch running man again, later on, you're like, okay, this wasn't as good as I remember it. Or yeah. like I went opening night to the Ninja Turtles movie. I'm a comic book nerd. I see the stuff behind you. I see you're a comic book nerd. Yep. <clears throat> um, I was like six. And somebody just gave me a digital comic, like in my neighborhood. It was before the, you know, before the cartoon, before anything. And when that whole thing blew up, I went to the movie and I had this vivid memory of how awesome and like dark and gritty the original Ninja Turtles movies was. And then I watched it during COVID and I was like, oh yeah, I should have just kept that as a sweet memory because <laughs> it is not like that at all. <laughs> no, no. And especially like going back and watching uh, Masters of the Universe, that movie was so fucking cheesy. And then like sitting there going, "Oh my God, Courtney Cox is in this! I don't remember yeah. her being in this." And then that cheesy scene with the they're getting ready to go back and the the, the piano thing, and then the the thing the that tones. <laughs> oh my God, it was so much, man, so horrible. Don't just leave it in. Oh, it was such a good movie 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it fucking yeah. was. Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> it's, it's very weird. So, like, in your in your memory, it's amazing. But you, sometimes you just don't want to see it again. It's not as good. I I did I, – I don't know if I don't know if there was anything you tried to watch, you know, that you'd never seen before or whatever during, uh, you know, COVID. But I – the only thing I did, I was very proud to – I watched – I watched like half a season of Larry Sanders when I was a little kid, you know, cause my parents loved Gary Shandling. Mm. And then during COVID I watched the whole thing and I was like, God damn, this guy was a fucking genius. Like he was just brilliant. His comedy was so great. And, um, 
but like i think that was the only thing i watched like and then everything else i was just like watching like star trek the next generation just yeah. again yeah. you know <laughs> it's just so me and my girlfriend I was like, I, so me and my girlfriend just rewatched um rewatched uh dexter um, oh, okay because yes. we uh wanted because we were gonna because she didn't see the last couple seasons of it and uh we wanted to watch that new show that just came <clears throat> out new blood yeah, and uh, so we binge watched. It took us like two and a half months, but we watched all eight seasons of Dexter, and then finished New Blood in like two days. And I walked away. We just finished it today, New Blood, and I walked away going, "Yeah, I'm I'm done with Dexter. I I, I don't think I can ever go back and rewatch that again." It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like it was so much better the first time around, and it's like, ugh. Yeah, after season four, it just kind of tanked, and New Blood was okay. It just I, it didn't end the way I wanted it to, and I, I can you know it never does. But I mean, yeah. So going back and reliving stuff and is needs to stay that way. But no, I didn't really watch anything. I mean, I like I said, I watched uh, New Blood, but other than that, I didn't really watch anything. You know, stuff that I never watched before. Um, I just watched I, stuff that I you know <clears throat> that I've always watched or maybe a new show that came out like Cobra Kai or something like that. But like nothing that, that was in the I, past. That is just the best show. On, I, I don't care. What anybody says it's the best show on TV. Cobra Kai. Oh my Holy God. Shit. This new season it's, two is fucking amazing. I cannot wait for season five. <clears throat> Holy I mean, shit. I, so many of my friends, they all love, you know, we're all little kids, you know, we all wanted to, you know, send to the floor and, you know, paint the fence and all that kind of stuff. And we all, like all loved, you know, karate kid one. And then we all liked Karate Kid 2 because there was the, the uh, what's his name? Chosen, the Chosen. world's snappiest dresser in the world. <laughs> uh, every, every scene, that man is decked in that movie. Just <laughs> gorgeous clothes. And you're like, where is he getting all these clothes? Like it's, It was the greatest thing. <clears throat> and <clears throat> I went to the fucking movie theater to see Karate Kid 3. And none of my friends saw it. And a couple years ago, when the first Cobra Kai came out, I was telling my friends, like, listen what if they do karate kid what if they bring karate kid three people in and like the first you know season when he went to uh try to get cobra kai back into the the all valley thing and they brought up terry silver like i freaked out i was like holy shit and my friends like who the fuck is terry silver one of my other friends had seen it and they're like karate kid three is the craziest movie um like john crease fakes his own death to torment a child to win a teenage karate tournament. Like when you really just pull it all back and you like hear that idea, you're like, that's the fucking most ridiculous idea I've ever heard. And I was so happy, <clears throat> spoiler alert, um, when Terry Silver shows up in this one and he and he actually admits, he was like, oh yeah, I, I was just on so much cocaine back then. And you're like, Oh, well, at least that explains why you were laughing like a Batman villain the whole fucking movie because you were blasting oh my out of your God. mind. Yeah, especially that, that sauna scene. Oh, I like that, Johnny. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was way too excited about making a making... child's hands bleed. <laughs> <laughs> Make his knuckles bleed. Oh, I like him to do that, <laughs> But it's like so many of my friends just recently watched Karate Kid 3 because they were like, because... um me and one other friend we would just we say the whole name we always just say karate's bad boy mike barnes yeah. like to the and we just say that and we're and we have like you know there's an acronym you know like um what's it uh you know um kbbmb you know we'll just text it to each other and we'll make all those jokes 
And I, for the last two or three years, I've been saying in front of my chick, like, cry, he's bad boy, Mike Barnes. And she was like, can you please stop saying that? Like, just, I don't know who that is. And then we watched this entire season and she had never seen Karate Kid 3. And she's like, all right, I think I have to find out who this Mike Barnes is. And I was like, no, he's Karate's bad boy. At Mike Barnes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because <laughs> he's a very dangerous person. He is. Um, and I think he's coming back for season five. I'm, I'm almost, I mean, he's got it. He's got yeah, there's, it. There's nobody else that ex- there's nobody else that exists in that world besides like Hillary Swank. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say I I want to see Hillary Swank come back too. I think that would be fucking cool. If nothing else, just for a cameo, just like a hey, you know, you know, or, you know, this or that, whatever. I but I got to see Hillary Swank because I mean I did he, enjoy that one at least a little bit. I mean, I watched. It was like the first movie I think she was ever in or something. But like when you really think about it, it's like. If you're trying to tell me that Mr. Miyagi was a real person and it sounded like he basically just lived with Daniel until he died, at some point, Hillary Swank would have showed up. Like, if this was a real person, like, even if it was just the funeral, like, they would become friends. But, I mean, I'm pretty sure that Mr. Miyagi would have said something about, oh, by the BT dubs, I I taught this other person karate, too. Yeah, like, so he, he's got to know about on. her. He's got yeah. to. So, I mean, I think it's I think it's inevitable at this point. So we'll Absolutely. see. Yeah, we'll see. Brother, dude, I love these types of episodes where we go all over the fucking place and we just have fucking fun. And, <clears throat> and I definitely think we accomplished that, man. Um, dude, you are a badass. The songs are great. I cannot wait to uh, you know, hear what hear the whole album coming out. I haven't clicked the uh, the pre-release link yet for the, the, the special people in the world because I want to <laughs> listen to it for the, on the 28th when it just drops like everybody else. Um, oh, rad. So, you know, but I, I cannot wait to hear it. Um, and uh, I'll probably, I'm most likely going to be there on the, on the third in Baltimore. Um, oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I will quickly say, cause I see the, I see the comic books behind you that uh, are you the, I'm, oh yeah, you have a Marvel shirt on. Is that what I'm seeing in Marvel? Um, I will say that the song uh, start the ceremony. I was in my car parking it for the, you know, waiting for the street cleaners to come by two years ago. And I had, the melody for the song start the ceremony and i read the new um donny kate's thor i had like five issues i saved up and it was the you know that donny kate's where he you know where thor becomes the what herald of galactus or whatever yeah and the the original working title for that song was called norin rad and it's about um the original idea was about dealing with that kind of power and everything so you'll uh you, you might catch a line or two that you might enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> also, I can't wait to listen to it. Um, but yeah, I'll probably definitely be there. I'm going to reach out to, I have, I keep meaning to, but I keep forgetting to, I'm going to reach out to PR and uh, arrange that so I can you know, meet you guys face to face and uh, awesome handle that um, and uh, stuff like that. So, but uh, yeah, so I'll probably be there on the third in Baltimore. Um, but yeah, so again, uh, Kings and Liars, the 28th, <clears throat> the new album drops and they're going to be in Pompano beach on that date. And then Orlando, Florida, and then Spartanburg, South Carolina, uh, Murphy's Murfreesboro and uh, North Carolina, then Chesapeake, Virginia, Baltimore, Maryland, Clifton, New Jersey, and then wrapping it up for a CD release party on the fifth in Hamden, Connecticut at the cellar on Treadwell. Um, brother, I cannot wait to meet you and uh, good luck with everything. And uh, we will definitely talk again soon. Absolutely, man. Awesome. Absolutely. And uh, you have a great rest of your night and be safe on the road. All right. I will. All right, brother. Talk soon. Bye. All right, bye. All right. And that was 
Charlie of the band, <clears throat> excuse me, Kings and Liars. Hope y'all enjoyed that conversation because I certainly fucking did. That was so much fun. Uh, I love getting into just random cop conversations about movies and TV and ugh, nostalgia and shit like that. I love that shit. Y'all know that. Whether it's comic books or wrestling or shit like that, I love, you know. But yeah, guys, great fucking conversation. Great way to start off the fucking week. I cannot wait until you hear the rest of the fucking week. We got so much good stuff coming for you. Uh, we got Fool the Crow. We got Solence. We got this. We got that. We got Neon Fields. We got so uh, so much coming this week. So definitely stick around for all of it and more. So come back again tomorrow for the band Fool the Crow. And uh, we will have some fun for the rest of the week. But we're going to go out one more time with the band Kings and Liars with their song Hang On for Dear Life. So guys... Again, come back tomorrow for the band Fool the Crow. And uh, we will be back again tomorrow for another edition of The Dark Side of Music. But until then, stay happy, stay healthy, stay fucking heavy. Here is the song, Hang On for Dear Life, by the band Kings and Liars. We'll see you all tomorrow. Peace. Peace.